Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mentor Minutes podcast, also part of the Meeple Mentor YouTube channel. I'm Jared. And I'm Jay. And uh, we're happy to have you here today. And of course, we have the video version on the channel and the audio streaming, which you know you can find anywhere. We've got Apple, Google, wherever, Spotify. I personally like to use Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. I, I usually do Apple. Okay. Well, yeah. I bought the Spotify like monthly thing because awesome. it came go. with Hulu, you know? Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I anyway. forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I could just like with Alexa, just say like, play this song and then the kids are happy. So. Oh, that's even easier. I like it. I like it. So anywhere podcasts are sold. There you go. Oh, wait, they're free. Okay. Yes, they, they are free. But <laughs> hey, if you want to send us a tip, then send it to <laughs> that's PayPal. Right. <laughs> that's right. Um, MeepleMentor at gmail.com. There you go. Anyhow. Uh, so if you're also unaware, I wanted to shout out real quick, the Gateway Network, which mm. uh, the channel and I guess the podcast is yep. all part mm. of, uh, they started or the network started uh, about a year ago mm -hmm. and it was founded by the Gamecasters podcast uh, with Ryan James as the founder. And essentially it's a one-stop uh, website location that kind of uh, aggregates a whole bunch of up and coming and new board game content creators such mm. as the Meeple Mentor channel and a number of podcasts, other YouTubers, artists, Instagrammers, yeah. all sorts of people who, you know, we're trying to help help each other grow. Yeah. Um, so definitely check that out. It's at thegatewaynetwork.com. And yeah, they, they've been really mm. cool and it's been a great, great thing to be part of. Yeah. yeah, they're a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to their podcast, Gamecasters, Definitely check them out. They're a lot funnier than we are. <laughs> yeah, so. we're, we're more straight-laced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know Jay is funny to, like, laugh at. Yes, but <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I like to be the butt of jokes. There you go. So send your insults in the comments below. Uh, I also <laughs> wanted to go ahead and um, let everyone know that the uh, the channel is, is growing in a new way, and uh, it's pretty exciting from my standpoint. I don't know mm -hmm. if you'll necessarily see too much difference, but... Uh, as a small channel, it can be difficult to try to get a hold of publishers, to try to get games that I can then mm. teach or, uh, you know, giveaways or unboxings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I was contacted by uh, a Concord, North Carolina, new game cafe uh, that's opening in September called Luck Factory Games. Um, they really liked what we were doing here at the channel and, and the, the comprehensive nature of the tutorials. Yeah. That's something that is right in line with what they want to do to supplement their cafe because they are focused less on being a store uh, and like a hobbyist store because there's plenty of those even mm -hmm. in the Charlotte Concord area. They're focused on creating a like a, an event space um, that people can come play and also be taught games so mm -hmm. they're going to have staff and volunteers as well uh, to be there to help you pick games help you teach games or help teach you games yep, yep. Um, and all that kind of stuff and so one thing that they had thought about is why don't we put qr codes in the lids of all the games that we have that people are going to be taking off the shelf to play and then they can scan that and watch a comprehensive tutorial so that if it's either a longer type of game to explain or there's not enough people around to mm -hmm. necessarily teach every table at the same time, those QR codes can be a really efficient way to bring people in. Um, and so instead of them trying to figure out how to make those kinds of videos themselves, uh, they said, hey, why don't we partner with you and mm -hmm. then we'll basically link to your stuff. Um, and so that's sort of kind of the partnership that we're working on. So there's a, you know more requests from their side that 
different games that they were hoping to get made. And again, a lot of these align with what I'm already doing. And so creative control is always mine. And I can always say, no, I don't want to cover that game, that kind of stuff. So there's not going to be any interference or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, but it is for me a great way to kind of use their resources and ability as a retailer uh, to get a hold of games that I either wouldn't have been able to otherwise or, you know, that kind of thing. So mm. we'll hopefully get to see more and varied games on the channel. Yeah, and, and get the word out, you know, just about your channel in general, because, you know, the hope too would be right when somebody scans the QR code and they check your stuff out, then they subscribe to the channel. And Yeah, so, I uh, mean, there is, you know, if you go to the, the, the cafe, of course, they'll have some promotion there and as well as the QR codes that, you know, point to Meeple Mentor. So it is a little bit of advertising for myself, uh, which is cool. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like a good fit for what, you know, the small yeah. channel that we are and then the kind of content that they're trying to make. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that they're only, you know, what, a couple hours away to. Yeah, it's like two so. and a half hours. <laughs> and I regularly go to Charlotte anyway. So every few weeks or so, you know, I'll just stop in that mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's neat. It's a neat opportunity. And, you know, there aren't a whole lot of you know, game cafes or game stores uh, anyway. So mm -hmm. to be able to have one that, you know, specifically reaching out you know to you after seeing the content that's pretty pretty impressive so i mean it was kind of neat um i was definitely humbled that they liked the the content enough to trust the videos to be mm. you know good enough to to teach people that come right. in one thing that really struck me and why i was excited to help and like join with them is not only are they focused on like the gathering and the playing of games but they uh their philosophy is all about bringing new people to the mm. hobby right and so more diversity more inclusion um, and then just kind of targeting people groups that may not normally be, you know, gamers, but introducing them to games and hopefully, mm. you know, expanding the the number of people who can play board games. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And that's, I think, you know, that aligns exactly with how I've treated my tutorials is try to be as uh, clear and concise and uh, thorough so that anyone can just watch it and hopefully just pick it up and play it. Yeah. And, and even like the fact that you do, you know, the variations in your tutorials, you do solo modes and things like that. You know, if somebody goes in the cafe and they're just looking for some quiet time, they want to learn how to play a game and play it solo, you know, they've got that too. So, yeah, yeah I think, like I said, I think that it seems like a cool partnership. And, you know, the fact that you might be able to also get some games that you can use for your own channel as well that you might not be able to get elsewhere is, uh, you know, is a pretty cool thing too. So. Well, definitely. I mean, even just if I were successful chasing down publishers for certain games, it's usually one at a time. And yeah. it's just a lot of time and effort on my part. And I'm already doing everything that you see on the channel. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't have that kind of time outside of, you know, what I'm already doing and my family life. Yeah, so, yeah definitely. definitely. You know, it's uh, trying to avoid the burnout and finding the right cooperation of partners and stuff to, to maximize what I can do. Yeah, so if you're in that area, absolutely, definitely check out Luck Factor Games and their grand opening is when again? You uh, mid September. Mid September. Yeah, yep. so it's coming up in a couple weeks. Mid September. Um, Concord, of, North Carolina. As of the recording this video, it actually may go. be open by the time you watch this. But probably. Yeah, yeah. Because so. we tend to record a couple weeks in advance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So today we're going to do a top ten list. Uh, this was actually one that you picked out, and it's top ten games that have multiple game boards mm -hmm. uh so this is not necessarily the fact that you know you have a, your own player boards uh because nowadays almost you know lots of games have the, your own individual player boards uh but this would be you know commonly shared boards 
but more than just one central board. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are some unique kind of exceptions or variations of, of even that title. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think some of mine, I actually came with a came up with quite a big list mm. and I had to start narrowing them down by some kind of criteria because you know do you count games where you're exploring a map and there's multiple tiles that come out like right or 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 even if it doesn't come out during the game do you count a game that has variable setup mm -hmm. with map tiles like Gaia project or something right um, I personally didn't count that. Uh, if that was all that there was to the board. Now, I mean, right, Gaia right. Project not mm -hmm. necessarily is a, is a bad example because there is another board, you know, mm -hmm. besides the map itself. I did something similar because this was actually a harder list for me to come up with um, as I was looking through my own games. Um, one of the criteria I used was if a game, let's say, had expansions and those expansions just added a board here and there. Sometimes I didn't really count that because it was almost like an extension of the regular board. It wasn't, mm. you know, a board for a completely different purpose. Um, I I didn't look too much into, you know, whether each player had kind of a unique board, you know, because you get into things like Spirit Island or something where everybody's got their own, you know, different board. Um, so I tried to really think of boards that were used by everybody, but included more than just the central board. And um, I, I think I skirt that a little bit on a couple of my choices. But, um, but you know, if you know me and my kids, per usual. I usually do that. So <laughs> he breaks the rules nearly five out of 10 <laughs> yeah, of his true. lists. That's true. I like, I like, you know, I like to keep people guessing. Yeah. And but, uh, yeah. So go back and watch those other lists. You You'll see totally, what I mean. You should totally do that. Um, now um, one thing you mentioned mm -hmm. about, you know, games that expansions <clears throat> that you include would add new game boards. There are some that I would like to include on this list, but I didn't because yeah. I'm trying to narrow it down to like a base game experience right there's there's one in particular that that i have on this list that where i sort of twist that rule a little bit but i'll explain that when i get to it all right <clears> then <throat> so sounds like we're ready to go i think we are all right let's look at our number 10. number 10. for my number 10 pick this game i really love but i didn't put it higher because i felt that it's uh, the way that it uses its extra board because there's two main game boards. I feel like the way it uses it is sort of a stretch to the point of this list. Okay. So Star Wars Rebellion has two okay. huge map boards uh, yes. because the map is so big. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. But it's such a great game. And honestly, it's the first game that came to mind when we looked huh. at this topic. Right. I was like, what's a game that has like two large boards? Mm. Immediately, Star Wars Rebellion. Uh, okay. Yep, I can see, I can see yeah. why I picked that. So not because, mm -hmm. I, I put it at 10, not because it's not great. I love, love this game. Um, but simply because of that reason um, and, and the, the fact that you have to use these together to make a single image of the yep. map. Yep. Um, and so it's not, you never really think of it about it again after it's set up right. as two separate things. Right, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But it's such a great game, and it is a two large boards that I felt like it, it needed is, to be. Yeah, it is huge. Like if if you had picked a small game that had two yeah, boards, it like to create yeah, a single. I might yeah. have given you some grief on it, but you're right. It is. These are massive. They're like what are they like six panel boards each or something? They're uh, yeah, they're, they're really big. Yeah, it's really, it's, really big. it's crazy. Um, but if you <laughs> haven't played Star Wars Rebellion, it really is amazing. And its expansion, uh, Rise of the Empire, something like which that, adds yeah. in like the Rogue One uh, scenarios and mm. characters. Um, and it also adjusts the the way that combat works. And a lot of people mm. prefer that new combat style. Me included. 
So um, yeah, I've only played the base game. It's really, really smooth. And the game, of course, takes up the whole table. Uh, best played at two players so that mm. one player controls everything for like the Imperials and the other player everything for the Rebels. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's just Star Wars in a box. And it's it does mm. what it does so well. And you control ships and it flies over the space and planets and all that stuff. Yeah. It's just cool. It's, it, it is a great game. I've, I've only played this one once. Um, but it's an epic two-player game and one of the biggest two-player games I've ever played. And it uh, probably will for a space. while. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've played uh, probably three or four times with our other friend, Jason. Yep. Uh, and every time <laughs> I win. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, that's, that's rare because he yeah, wins so many games. I know. <laughs> and so we've switched sides, you know, and I'd be in and still win? And I still win. <laughs> that's cool. It's really funny. That, that's a good one to rub in. So I don't know if he's going to play with me this. again. or <laughs> Yeah, but... He's, yeah. got, he's got your number on Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, if I mention that to him, he's gonna be like, "Oh no, <laughs> not this again." Yeah, no, I, I will. Yeah, it, so I'm feeling a little better about my picks now because, okay. yeah, because you because you skirted the line a little All bit. All right, so. but the rest are are totally the, legit. The rest are legit. Okay. okay. So what's your number ten? So, uh, yeah, my number ten is a game that um, I think was maybe one of the first games I played that had sort of this separate board layout, um, and that's Dead of Winter. Mm-hmm. And if you've played the original Dead of Winter, you have a main board which represents the colony. Uh, and that's where your survivors are sort of, you know, hauled up for the winter. Um, and you have different things like your uh, track, you know, where you're keeping track of like your garbage, the survivors, the additional survivors that you've, you know, you've um, found at locations. But then outside of the colony are these separate boards. I think there's six of them that represent separate uh, areas of the town. So you have one for like the police station, you've got the school, you've got the hospital, the gas station. The original game came with those as like just kind of thick cardboard. They weren't, they were almost like a card material, but a little bit thicker. I believe the expansion. um, I think of it more like a flimsy mat. Yeah, like a flimsy mat. Yeah, but I believe the expansion, the Long Night, actually made those out out of regular cardboard. Oh, so they they printed all the originals on cardboard. That's my understanding is that they, they redid that. Hmm. Um, uh, similar like what they did with Blood Rage with some of those players. So boards. here's a question though. Yeah. Do those locations, even though they're cardboard or, or mats or whatever, yeah. uh, would those count as tiles instead that's of a, boards? That's a good question. I mean, wh- where do you, I guess, where do you draw the line on a tile versus a board, right? Is it size? It's got to be size. It's got to be size. I, I would consider these boards because they're, they're bigger than postcards, mm-hmm. right? You are doing unique things with them as well. So um, you, know, you have different, uh, the, the different amount of survivors you can put there, mm-hmm. different amount of zombies. Uh, you have this, uh, there's cards there that you're, you have this mechanism where you're kind of searching um, mm-hmm. and each location has a certain amount of different types of items. You know, like if you go to the gas station, you're like more likely going to find gas, you know, things like that. I also think about the, the fact that if it's a board, you're also placing things on it. Like it's yep. going to host workers or yep. characters or people like yeah, that. Yeah, so that definitely is true. Whereas so, a tile you wouldn't normally Where I think of a tile and it would ne- not necessarily do that. Yeah. Yeah. That maybe that's a good distinction is if you're not if you're not actually playing on it and you're just placing it or something, maybe then that's it's a the, tile. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. There's there's probably like a BGG like specific like term for for what it is but uh yeah head we'll to the comments below and <laughs> yeah, you know, let uh, start us start the argument and what's your position and support it with facts <laughs> that's right or opinions facts. yeah hard hard facts <laughs> yeah but um yeah dead of winter it's um it's a it's a great game um it's uh got a little it it can have a hidden trader as well um it's got a, a cool theming 
and um, really just a, a really fun cooperative game. I, I, we probably didn't even mention, or I didn't. It's mention. a zombie game. It's a zombie game. Um, so it's think, not really about winter. It's about yeah, zombies. Th think of uh, think of Walking Dead, but in the middle of the winter, you know, and, you, and you'll 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 have it. So uh, that's my number ten, Dead of Winter. Number nine. My number nine game is um, a really unique uh, game in the way that dice are used. Uh, but it does have two distinct boards, and the game is called Dice Forge. And Dice Forge is a game where the dice themselves, uh, the six faces on the dice, are actually replaceable. So the two boards in the game that you have, um, in addition to your player board, which keeps track of the different resources that you're gathering, is you have one board that represents all these different islands that you can go to, and you can spend your resources to get cards at each of these islands, that basically give you special abilities or one-time abilities that help when you're rolling dice. But as you're rolling dice on your turn and you're rolling dice on everybody else's turn, you can also, uh, when it gets back to you, go to a different board where you can actually go to the market and buy dish, you know, replacement dice faces. So, for example, your dice may start out with, you know, uh, a moon shard, a sun shard, and some gold and, and you know, one victory point side. Uh, so when you roll it, whatever comes up, that's what you're going to get. Well, if you go to the market, you might buy something that gives you four gold. And so you pop off that dice face, you know, you put this other dice face on, and you just basically keep on upgrading your dice throughout the game. Customizing. So, yeah, customizing throughout the game. So um, what I like about it is the fact that you have these two very distinct boards that you're going to for things. Uh, and the choice of and the variety of both the cards that you can get on these islands I mean, there's probably a choice of about 20 cards, I think, at, at, at each of these different islands, um, as well as all the unique dice faces. Um, really, it then means that at the end of the game, you've all built this really unique set of dice and this really unique set of abilities. Uh, so if you've not played Dice Forge, you can usually get it for a pretty good price as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a really fast-playing game that keeps everybody uh, interested as they're playing because you're never, you're never not doing something on your turn or somebody else's. So... Dice Forge is my number nine. Excellent. Uh, my number nine, uh, I went with a really strong deductive logic type of game. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one of those that if you make a mistake, then you're kind of hosed for the rest of the mm. game on how you make your uh, your notes on, on trying to eliminate different things. Hmm. Uh, it's called Alchemists. I was wondering if you're going to say this. I've not played it though. It's yeah. I love this game. Of course, I mean I got a philosophy background, and so it's very much yeah. like just you know the things that you find out. As you're long as you fast. know, <laughs> you know your your notation is consistent, you'll be able to find out you know hmm. the uh, ingredients to make all these different potions and things like that. Um, but it has two game boards. The largest game board is where uh, players will be placing their uh, cubes to take actions. Um, and it's one of those games where you take turns placing those cubes out and then mm. resolving the actions afterwards, uh, starting oh, okay. with like one and then going all the way around. Um, and it's really a really interesting game. The extra board, uh, not only does it score uh, the victory point track, um, but it also has uh, sections for uh, the, the different uh, card combinations and herb combinations and ways to score extra points and places to put your um, like earned theses that like that you discovered as an alchemist. Hmm. Um, so it's got some of that gameplay to it as well. 
um, outside of the worker placement mechanism that the other board is is where you get a lot of the resources and, mm. and that sort of thing. And is this an app, a game with an app? Or? It does have an app, okay. um, but don't let that throw you off because it's not a game like Mansions of Madness, okay? Mm -hmm. So the only use of the app is to scan the two ingredients that you're trying to mix, mm -hmm. and then it tells you the result. Okay. So okay. that's really all it's for mm. is to try to give you the result of those two ingredients. Because every game, there's really not a way to print a game yeah, that's like... so many combinations, I'm sure. Yeah, right? it's like if these two are always the case, then anyone who's played before like uh, would know. Mean, right. Um, so that's mm. that's how they randomize like what mm. what potions are made by which combinations of things. Mm. So as you start a new game in the app, it, it'll kind of shuffle up what it is. And so you have to mm. actually play and make combinations of ingredients to find out the potions. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's that's mm. why it's a really cool, um, unique way to use, you know, apps. See, I'm, I'm, I think I've mentioned this before, but like I'm so bad at those kinds of games where you're trying to like figure out a pattern. Yeah. Um, I, I played this game called Pie Town, where you're supposed to try to figure out like three secret ingredients in the other person's pie, and I could never figure it out. So I don't think I do too well. Did office. you ever win at Clue? Uh, against my children. Because it's a lot like that without the like questioning of people. Yeah, it's yeah like against my kids. That's about collecting it. your own stuff that you want to find out, and then doing that yourself and figuring it out. Process of elimination. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um. So it's really cool. I recommend it. It's kind of a heavier game, especially for what it is as far as deduction. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, if you are not strong in deduction and then you get into it and then all of a sudden you kind of lose track of uh, what you've already learned or whatnot, then you're kind of in trouble for um, late game points. Right, right. Because you made a false assumption at the, at the <laughs> Exactly. Like if, if you make an mm. assumption that wasn't true, then you really screwed up things right. if you took it as truth. Right. Um, but anyway, that's my number nine. Alchemist. Cool. Number eight. My number eight pick is a game that is widely popular. It's a Euro game uh, with a lot of dice. Uh, now this one, everyone does have player boards, but there are two main game boards that everyone also has to use. And that is Grand Austria Hotel. Mm. Because uh, first of all, if you've played, you know that you're rolling these dice and then there's a dice board where you have to arrange all the different rolled numbers. So all the ones in this column, twos in the next column, and those dice are used for certain actions and the number of dice that are still there when it's your turn to do the action is how strong it is. Uh, so one by one, these dice get removed. Um, the other board, of course, tracks points. It tracks the round that you're in. It tracks when um, certain things trigger and certain bonuses might apply. So it has this emperor track that you have to have advanced a certain amount by you know, a certain round. And mm. I think it does it twice in the game. Um, and so all of that is also tracked on that board, as well as the three uh, cards that are randomly laid out uh, that are basically goal achievements. And so there's all kinds of things that that board does uh, in addition to the dice board. So those two are uh, pretty important uh, to the game. And that's in addition to everybody's own personal board, which is their hotel. Uh, and of course, they're building out um, the rooms and occupying them with guests. So it's uh, it's a great game. Uh, it's really, really nice. I also like to play the game with like the uh, upgraded tokens. Mm. Um, you know, I've, in my copy that uh, Jay now has, yep. it has uh, <laughs> Top Shelf Gamer 
uh, tokens. Yeah, for like um, the, the little cups of coffee and the cakes and desserts and, and stuff. And little wine bottles and stuff. Yeah. Um, if you want to see what those look like as well, then check out the tutorial that I did for Grand Austria Hotel because I put uh, all of that is found mm. in that video. So you yeah, can learn the game. And, and I, even though I traded for you, I haven't played this yet. So I've been really itching to get this one on the table. Oh. So yeah, it's so, great. Sounds good. Sounds so that's, really good. that's my number eight. My number eight is a racing game. And you know, I love racing games. Mm -hmm. um, most racing games, though, uh, are usually just one board. Um, or you might like with. Um, Flam Rouge, you might, you know, put the put the the track together by yeah, putting a bunch of different build pieces. Build it with the pieces. But but they're really not separate boards. The reason that I chose this one was because the way the boards are used is really unique. And this game is called Mississippi Queen. Oh. Um, Mississippi Queen is actually an older game. Uh, it was a Spiel des Jahres winner uh, several years ago, but they've recently um, done within the past two two years a reprint of the game nice. with upgraded components and things like that. So what you're doing in the game is each person has their own uh, old-fashioned like paddle wheel steamboats, like steam-powered, yeah, steam-powered paddle. Yeah, like think of you know uh, Tom Saw uh, Sawyer, you know Mark Twain type stuff. That movie Maverick, you remember that with Mel Gibson? Oh, I I have not seen that. Oh my gosh! Is that? Okay, that that takes well, place in that time it, period. It's in that time period. They're on this like <laughs> steamboat all time, and ah, and he's a gambler, right? Yeah, it's, movie? A, it's okay. like a poker movie. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that in so long, but it's great. um. But yeah, it's a racing game where you each have these steamships. And the cool thing is each of the paddle wheels has a dial that has, uh, I think it's a no, like uh, numbers from one to six. And you turn those dials. One of them represents uh, your ability to turn your ship. And the other uh, dictates your speed. But the reason I chose this because of the multiple boards is that each of the boards um, of the game, and it comes with quite a few, make up the Mississippi River. So you're going to have... Um, Almost think like uh, Kingdom Builder, you know, a board that has a bunch of different hexes on it, but it's sort of shaped like it's it's like a puzzle, big puzzle piece. So you put that board down, and then your steamships are going to race to the edge of the board. But as soon as one of the ships reaches the edge, you roll a dice, and the dice is going to determine where the next part of the river goes. And it's either going to go the left, straight forward, or to the right. Oh wow! So it can really mess you up if you. You, you know, if you're, you're not going directly straight, in the center. Yeah, because then your next turn, you've got to turn really fast to try to make it to the, you know, to the river where, where mm. the river's bending. And so throughout the course of the game, most players are going to be playing on just two boards. And as the last player crosses the, the board that they're on into the next board, that board goes away. And then you just keep adding boards to it. So it's a really cool modular type game that uses these uh, boards in a really unique way. To where you really don't know what the game is going, the the actual route of the river is going to look like until you're actually playing it. So, do you remember who's the designer of that? I don't actually remember who the designer is. Kind of reminds me of the Knizia game Quest for El Dorado, without the sudden exploration. So, so that that's those are the exact kind of boards that are used in this game. Mm. The only difference, and the reason I didn't choose that game, is because you're setting the board up all at one time. So you kind of see, like, so the. The whole play space mm -hmm. is one single board. So it's like one one map. Yeah, one it's like board. one map. Now it could be you know different shaped map, mm -hmm. but with this one because it's modular and you never know what you're going to get. I just thought it was a really neat way to kind of mm -hmm. you know add an element of surprise to the racing theme game. So cool. Um, so I really like this game. It's Mississippi Queen, and um, that was my choice for number eight. Sounds good. Number seven. Okay, so my number seven is the one where. It's going to skirt the line a little bit. Breaking the rules. Breaking the rules a little bit. 
So um, we set the rules here, and then we break them. <laughs> we Just set them, and we break them. That's what they're made for. Uh, so I had mentioned at the beginning of the video that um, you know I tried to mostly exclude games where the the board was part of an expansion. The reason I included this is because I think it also has a unique mechanism on its own board. So uh, that's Lords of Waterdeep. Mm -hmm. Now, if you played the Lords of Waterdeep base game, uh, one of the cool things about the game is you start out with a single up uh, a board with different worker placement spots. But as the game progresses, you actually buy uh, these buildings, which are tiles. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting tile discussion too. Right. But each of those tiles actually expands the board and creates more spots of, of where you can place workers. And the tiles all do different things, give you different resources or let you trigger different abilities and things like that. So as the game progresses, the board is kind of growing. So you have a main board and then all these smaller boards that are used as action spaces. But when you add in the Scoundrels of Skullport uh, expansion, it's actually, the thematically, it's a completely separate town that you go to in the game and you pick up this thing called corruption because you can do these great actions, but you're doing them in this like seedy part of town. And so every time you get this great action, you're going to take this corruption. And as the more corruption you have at the end of the game, the more victory points you're going to, you're going to lose. Yeah. So um, although it is an expansion, because thematically it wasn't just like an extension of the board, it actually represented a different place um, you know, in that town of Waterdeep. Um, I included it. So that was my, that's my number seven, uh, well, Lords of Waterdeep. I'm going to say that is a bit of a stretch. It is a bit of a stretch. Um, because sure, the expansion is a separate board, but that's yes. an expansion. It is. And it is. calling buildings a new board is well, a little bit of a stretch. You know, they, they, so, so if you you're, think about You're changing it the boards, one existing board. You know, if you're thinking about mini boards, kind of like like uh, Dead of Winter, you know, where you have those kind of mini boards. For the same reason, I would not say <laughs> I would not say Lost Ruins of Arnak has multiple boards uh, because you're talking like buildings that's true. come out, that's true. That new action places come out, new creatures come out. But I wouldn't call that's that multiple point. boards. But you know, it does have multiple boards because, like your first game, you have to connect two of them to make a complete board because <laughs> you know all the resources at the bottom. Yeah, but once again, that's not a good pick because that board is only there to like to store resources. That's, that's the only, you don't even need that. You don't board. need that board. It's too. It's too. It's, it's uh, not a good superfluous. choice. But you know, I think with Arnak, the expansion is going to add another board. So uh, you know, I think that fits the Waterdeep theme. I'm pretty sure that they so are not case. adding a board. You know, are they not? No, just more cards. Okay. He's we'll have talking to out of his butt. We'll have to wait and see. Let's just move on, shall we? That's my number seven. Arnak, no, no. <laughs> Lords of Arnak. <laughs> no, Lords of Waterdeep plus Lords of an Waterdeep expansion. Yes, there you go. All right, my number seven is a game that both has a map that slowly kind of uncovers itself, hmm. um, but it also has a little strip board that you place cards at, and it also has an action wheel board. So there's several things going on as hmm. it's laid out. And I will also say that it has and uses its game box as part of the way that they organize some of the tokens. Hmm. Um, so this game is Archipelago. I have not played and this And it one. is fantastic. Hmm. Um, I've done a, actually I've done two tutorials videos on Archipelago. Okay. Uh, it's... Uh, Isn't this like your, one of your first, very first videos you did? The very first yeah, one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> proof of concept video that I made years ago. 
Uh, and then I remade it after the Meeple Mentor channel kind of right. got its, you know, engine going. Right, right. So you can check out either one. Of course, the new <laughs> one is the better quality, but they have the same rules, of course, right, right. to cover. <clears throat> um, but yeah, you've got the, the action wheel where you place your uh, action discs to take hmm. actions. And that's what kind of lets you choose what you're doing. The more discs that you earn... Uh, up to, I believe, four or five uh, lets you do more actions during the action phase, uh, but everyone starts with two or three. Mm. Um, you also have ships and you have meeples and people that occupy uh, the hexes that you slowly uncover of the lands and you can uh, find new islands and stuff like that. Uh, mm. It's a really great exploration and resource mining type game. Hmm. Uh, the theme does sort of rub people the wrong way and it doesn't have a lot of apologies to its uh, symbolism like colonization and stuff. Type game. Colonization yeah. and the natives <clears throat> and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> yeah. um, but if you can get past like kind of the, the racist undertones of it, <clears throat> um, it is a really well-made game. Uh, but it has all these different boards, and uh, it's great. So yeah, this is one I've I've never played. I've always heard you know good things about the the mechanics and everything, and it's it's an older game too. Uh, it's, like, I think two thousand eight, maybe. Okay, yeah, something like that. 20, yeah, twenty twelve. It's funny to think of this like five years old now. No. It's like an older game. <laughs> when we're saying like in the two thousands, yeah. I'm like that's not, but it is that old. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Ah, good, good pick. Number six. My number six pick is a really popular theme park building game that has quite a few boards and dice, and it's all about crafting uh, dino DNA. Uh, <laughs> this is called Dinosaur Island. Yeah. Uh, one of the first, um, or at least one of the most popular dinosaur theme park games yeah, of definitely. recent times. I think the other one um, would be Dinogenics would yeah. be the other. Um, but... Uh, Dinogenics doesn't have an extra board unless you get the expansion. Okay. So I had to go with Dinosaur Island right. because as you've set it up and if you've played, you know it takes up a whole table because you've got, I think, three or four main boards that are mm -hmm. needed for every player on top of your player board that, of course, you're starting to build as your own uh, theme park. Right. Um, so with all these extra boards, and it is a fantastic, uh, heavy, heavy Euro game. Uh, it's definitely on my list and it uses those boards very effectively. It's got a lot of bright colors and art to mm -hmm. it. Um, and yeah, if, if heavy euros and that worker placement and all the stuff that's going for that game, if that's your jam and you like the theme, which who doesn't like yeah, making it's a, dinosaurs, it's a very cool game. Uh, that's, that's why I had to go with dinosaur Island and that is the number six pick. Nice pick. I like it. My number six is actually my second potential hidden trader game in the list. Whoa. It's also a game by one of my favorite designers, Bruno Cavalla, and it's called Shadows Over Camelot. Yeah. Shadows Over totally. Camelot is, is uh, still one of my favorite games, and uh, one of the first ones I think I've ever played that had all these different boards. So the theming of the game is you're all uh, knights uh, in of the, round of the round table in King Arthur's court in Camelot, and you go out on these quests. So it's a cooperative game, you're all trying to win together, and when you successfully uh, win a quest, you get these white swords that you add to the round table, and if you have more white swords than black swords, uh, if you lose quests, then you end up winning the game, uh, is, unless something else has killed you or defeated you by the time uh, you, know, you, you get near the end of the game uh, rounds. So in the game, as you go on these quests, you're going to earn white swords, or if you fail quests, uh, you're going to earn black swords. 
So the more quests you win, uh, the, the better your chances are at completing the game and winning the game together as a team. Um, the reason it has all these boards is each of the boards represents a different type of quest. So uh, you're going to have your main board, which represents Camelot. Um, that's where you're going to Place essentially siege engines. Yeah, you're, you're going to defend the, ca the castle uh, against these siege engines that start to build up. Uh, you're going to have these Saxons and Picts that come and try to invade the territory. But then you can go out on quests. Uh, outside of the realm of Camelot. There's also the Dark Knight on that board. I was going to say, I, I couldn't remember if the Dark Knight was on that board or a sideboard. I think it's on Is that board. Is it on that board? board? Okay. Um, yeah, right. The Black Knight's on that board. And um, But there's sideboards that are used for like the uh, quest for the Holy Grail. Um, so there's a whole sideboard where you're trying to get more Grail cards to ultimately bring the Holy Grail back. There's a side quest with the uh, Lady in the Lake to try to get the you know King Arthur's uh, sword. Um, there's another sideboard for, I think, defeating a dragon, and mm -hmm. some of those are double-sided mm -hmm. as well. So um, it has a lot of really cool themes. Uh, still looks great. has awesome artwork. Um, still a really good cooperative game. And it's one that you can teach players who are really familiar with just ca regular cards because uh, yeah, a lot of the hands. quests are... Yeah, they're, they're kind of poker hands. You're trying to complete making. like straights or Sets, pairs straights, or pairs. full house, that sort of thing. Yeah, so... Um, really, really cool game. Um, that's what made my number six, and that Shadows over Camelot. It is one of the earlier co-op games that came out in board games, and mm. I believe it plays up to like seven people. Yeah, I think I it's mean, I think it's six out of the box, maybe seven with expansion, or maybe even eight has, with expansion. I have the Merlin expansion, which I think is a great yeah. expansion if you can get it. And I've heard it makes it harder too. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's already a pretty challenging game, so you will lose quite often, yeah. but not as often as say Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's not that punishing. It is sure. possible, but you have to definitely yeah. coordinate a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a game where what one of the things I'll, last thing I'll mention about it is it's one of those games where you can actually die as an individual character, but still win the game as long as somebody survives and you've you know gotten more white swords than black swords. So and if you've collected cool. the Holy Grail, it can be used once on so, a player. Yeah, that's right to, to revive somebody. Yeah, it's got a lot of neat little yeah. things like that in it. So uh, so yeah, yeah, I love Shadows Over Camelot. Still still one of cool. the ones that'll Very probably cool. stay in my collection forever. Yeah. Number five. My number five is an area control game. Um, not usually that good at area control games, but I really like them a lot. And this is called Ethnos. Hmm. And what, it's, a, it's a very simple area control game, but um, you're, where you're either uh, playing sets of cards uh, to put these pieces out to control certain areas that kind of match the color of the, the leader of that set of cards, the band of cards you're playing, um, or you're, you're playing cards because of their special abilities, essentially. And uh, the reason that this game has multiple boards is because it has like 13 different factions of cards that you play. And each faction represents, think of like a Tolkien Middle-Earth character. So you've got like the halflings, the wizards, you've got these uh, like flying people, you've got warriors, trolls, you know, all kinds of different factions. You'll find trolls in any game. But um, <laughs> There's one right here. Especially if you play with me. <laughs> um... And the way the game works is uh, at the beginning of the game, you sort of randomize those factions. And so each game you're going to have, I think, six or seven of factions in play. So you're not going to you know, play all of them at the same time. But the neat thing about the game is, yes, it has this main board where you're doing all the kind of area control for three of the rounds of the game. But then depending on the faction you play, you're going to introduce another board to the game. So like if you're playing like the Merman faction, 
you're going to have a board where you're trying to race up the board to try to get more victory points. If you are playing like the Giants, uh, you're going to have um, different tokens and different boards that you're going to uh, kind of keep passing around depending on if you've played the biggest band of Giants. So, they're, so they play football too? They, no, no. There's that troll again. There's that troll. The Giants? <laughs> yes. They get their own, they get their own. football field? Yeah. There's also... Um, uh, it's like the it's not the goblins. What's the what's the thing in Lord of the Rings? I'm totally blanking on. Then it's not orcs. the goblins. Orcs. Yeah, you also have these orcs, and the orcs are trying to like spread out across the land so you can start moving up on this other board. I smell uh, man flesh. Yeah, to get more points if you've you know ended up spreading out and stuff like that. So it's um it's a really great game, and um, the reason it's not more popular is because of the art design. It's pretty it gets, bland. Gets a lot of grief because it's got this really sort of warlike Lord of the Ring Rings artwork with this like board that has like pastel like colors for pieces and stuff. It's just a really strange design. But I'll tell you if this game came out with like different theming and art, I mean I think it would it would sell a lot. Um so that's my number five, Ethnos. So I have a question since you said that the extra boards for this qualification only comes when you when you choose certain factions. Yeah, so, so is, it, on, is it possible to, to play without extra boards um, if you didn't choose the right factions for those? It may be, actually. It may be. There may be, because I'm thinking there may be three or four factions that have separate boards. So, I mean, if you're randomly choosing, the chances that you're going to have one are pretty high. But yeah, it's absolutely possible. So let's so, put a little asterisk on that one, I don't too. think so. I think this is a legit pick, and I stand by Just it. Just because the board's in the box doesn't mean that you're always going to use it. I stand by it. And you can use the box lid as a dice roller, even though it doesn't come with dice. That's not a separate that board. That doesn't count either? No? Okay. Five. Ethnos. <laughs> What's your number five? <laughs> Why do we even try? <laughs> That's right. You know where I'm going with this. All right. So my number five is a science-themed game. Uh, about math and all sorts of fun stuff. It's called Newton. Totally illegitimate. <laughs> he thinks he's funny, folks. Just, he thinks just, he's funny. I just had to try. I try. Yeah, yeah, I don't agree with this pick at all. Have you played it? No, I have no idea. Exactly. I have no idea if it has even one board or two or 20. It, it has two. It, okay. Um, players also have their own board, which okay. is nice. That counts? It, it does. <laughs> <laughs> You can collect cards. Everyone starts with a uh, assortment of, I think, five or six, and you play these cards under your board. Mm -hmm. uh, and oh well, you put them on the board, and then at the end of the round, you choose one to add to uh, the bottom, and then it, it creates a, uh, a sort of a combo for when you take that action column again. Hmm. So when you place a card there, you get the card, and you get everything below it. Oh, okay. um, like so it's cascading. Type yeah, of cascading actions. Cool. So your your action gets stronger the longer the game goes on. Hmm. Um, but essentially, the the two main boards. Uh, the first one is the largest that uh, you've got your um, your player workers or, or meeples that you can send on sort of a branching tree path uh, to basically unlock different um, ability type of uh, skills. And you know there are first come first serve awarded points for a lot of that stuff, and it gives you different ability to you know, double up on actions or combo actions um, or place uh, things up in your library. Uh, it's really interesting how that all works out. It's pretty cool. Um, and, but there are enough branching pathways on the board that uh, you can 
you know, still have a place to go with multiple people, like three, four players. Um, so there's not like only one good path. Uh, but the other board usually sits above it and it's like a, a large map, I believe, of the Mediterranean. Hmm. And you have one explorer that he kind of just walks around uh, up there if you choose that particular action. And as he goes to different locations, he gets those benefits of those locations. There's a lot of um, like tokens and random setup for this, which is hmm. cool. It sounds a little to me like uh, Orleans. We have like the um, map board and you have the other board. A little bit of Trajan in there. Okay. Except yeah. Trajan doesn't have like the, the, the skill tree type thing okay. going on. Okay. It has more of worker act, worker action spaces. Hmm. Um, so, but it does have that map, uh, which is cool. But those are the two separate boards for this particular list's qualification. But it's a very strong, very awesome hmm. uh, game. And if you have a chance to play it, if you like Euros... Um, this is more medium weight. Um, I mean, slightly heavy, I guess, because you could try to like plan out so much to mm, mm -hmm. to do what you want to do. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. I like it a lot, so that's why I put it on my list as number five. Yeah, I definitely want to try this one. Number four. Getting into number four. So these are going to be the ones that I feel like are really strongly multiple game boards mm -hmm. and also really strong solid games. Mm -hmm. um, this is another game that I basically immediately thought of when I was thinking about games that have a lot of boards to them that aren't just player boards. Once again, you do have player boards in this game, but there's so much to this. It's A Feast for Odin. Mm. And if you played it, you know what I'm talking about. It's another table hog that setting up is easy, but tearing it down and putting everything back is the hard part. Mm. Uh, but there's the action board that's a very long action board of like four columns of places to put workers and do actions. Um, you've got tiles of uh, different buildings and uh, settlement type things that you can build and then add near your board for additional places to store stuff. You've got uh, exploration boards that you can uh, hmm. take, and I believe only one person can take, uh, you know, one of the four. So once hmm. all four are gone, then you can't really uh, explore anymore. But those also are extra boards that you can uh, store items and, of course, score points for, for taking. There's also the, I believe it's like the artifact board. It's this gray oval that, you know, when you go on quests and you do the thing with the boats across the sea, you can go and collect these uh, relics and stuff like that. And that has a special board that has unique, um, like, outline spots for every, like, earn earnable or, mm. you know, quest item that you can get. Um, so as you can see, there's just a lot on the table that has to be set up and a lot of boards that's, that's really you're looking at. Uh, and again, your own player board uh, starts out with this, uh, this grid of like negative one <laughs> points all over the place. And you have to fill this up to like remove those negative points. With like these polyomino pieces, right? Yeah. yeah okay, I've seen this. A lot of polyominoes. There's a place <laughs> on your board to store boats, like a little port area. There's a place for storing cattle and sheep. Uh, there's a uh, the actual dinner table where you get to like feed the Vikings. The actual feast. The, the feast, feast itself, <laughs> uh, where you have to place the food and all that kind of stuff to feed people. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's just a lot, and there's a lot of boards. It's really cool. It's a great, great game. Uh, probably one of the highest rated, you know, worker placement games. Uh, it is beloved. It's a UA Rosenberg game. Yeah. Uh, probably again, probably a lot of people's favorite of his. The only downside is it 
it's kind of a long game. And again, setting up's not so bad, but mm -hmm. when you're trying to put everything back, like all the little bits and pieces that mm -hmm. you've, everyone's put randomly all over well, their boards. Had, especially if you've got like 60 spaces to take actions or something. Oh yeah. With all these different I mean, you do have to take the time crazy. to like learn how to play it. Mm -hmm. uh, but hey, if you are interested and want to play this game, I did create a tutorial for this on the channel, which you can check out at the YouTube uh, Meeple Mentor channel. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, my number four is a game that, uh, and I with you, um, I think this these are games that kind of are essential to have these extra boards. And this is actually one of my one of the games that's kind of closing in on one of my favorite euros, and that's Crown of Amara. Mm. Um, Crown of Amara is as as I said, it's a, a euro style game. It has two distinct boards that both function as rondelles. Uh, so you have. Uh, you have a, a, one of your characters on one of the boards and one on the other. They're divided into these grids of like four different sections each. And on your turn, based on the cards you play, you're going to move uh, and you choose which of those rondelles you want to move it on. Uh, your, uh, you know, your little person, uh, so many spaces on that board. Uh, one of the boards is used primarily for getting resources. So you're getting, you know, typical things like stone and grain and, you know, wool, <laughs> whatever. Um, and, but you can also do some extra stuff on those boards as well to try to kind of double up your resources and, and claim um, some different cottages and things to help maximize kind of your production. But then on the, if you choose to move on the other board, that's where you're typically trading those resources in uh, to do all kinds of, sort of actions. So you might be trading in certain resources to gain other resources to gain points. Um, in other cases, you're trying to level up your, your character to, uh, you know, get them a, a signet, you know, trade in these signet rings to get them to become like dukes and princes and kings and et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot going on in this game, but it uses those two boards like really effectively. And uh, the reason that they're separate boards is you also can kind of mix the boards and, and, and match the, the pieces on the board. So you can kind of make a, a hodgepodge of, you know, all the different boards kind of combined together. It's um, which would be kind of a nightmare, I think to play and be so, so thinky, but um. Uh, it's also one of the games that's very similar to um, another game that I like a lot, uh, which is Raja of the Ganges, where you're kind of moving on two separate tracks. So you have uh, these two tracks that you're moving on uh, separately, and then at the end of the game, whichever track you're furthest behind on is is what your final score is going to be. So you've got to kind of mm -hmm. be efficient in both of the, the different areas. So um, really, really neat game, um, and that's why it made my number four, Crown of Amara. Although I will point out in Raja's that it's not uh, whichever track you're the least on. It's actually so more of a cross, race because yeah, so those have to cross to end yeah. the game. Yeah, I just it's one of the only games uh, besides that one I've played where you actually have these two distinct sort of scoring boards. Mm. Um, maybe the only one, other one I can think of. Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. That's, that's true. That also has that same scoring that. Right. method. It does have that. Uh, it's not necessarily a track because you're building castles and they're all yeah. made of these little tiles. But yeah, because that's that's when it's basically the combined score between the two of you. Like you, on your right and left. Yeah, you, you're lowest. building a castle with the player on your left and the player on your right. Mm -hmm. And so the castles are sitting between you. And so you're both trying to make these castles the best they can because every individual player score is the lowest scoring castle to their left mm. or right right so you're trying to kind of make them both as equally good as possible yeah i think that's like a classic like reiner kinitia type scoring mechanism but none of these games are designed by him no. that we mentioned but no. yeah so i i really like crown of amara um and uh, like i said I'll, this is one of those games that i almost always want to play um if it's available so that cool. made my number four awesome 
number three. My number three is a game by a famous designer, Phil Walker Harding. Can you name any of his games? Yes, I can. Silver and Gold, Imhotep, Sushi Go, Cloud City, uh, uh, Meeple Land, uh, Gingerbread House. Cool. It's amazing how you just had those at the I tip just, of your tongue. Right at the tip of my tongue. Right just, at the tip how of my did tongue. you do that? I know. It's amazing. It's wow. amazing. The mental faculty. Um, <laughs> it's not like we just took a break or anything. No, we didn't, we didn't pause at all. This video has continued to roll the entire time. Yep. There's no secret <clears throat> no pause. behind there's, any of this. There's no, no man behind exactly the curtain. exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, the ga one of the games I actually just mentioned is the one that made this list, and that's Imhotep. 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 So. Tell me about it. It's it's a you're all. Uh, is that Egyptian? It is. It has an Egyptian theme. You're How all, did I know that? You're all architects <gasps> in ancient Egypt. Were they designing? They were designing pyramids? monuments like pyramids and obelisks and all kinds of cool things. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that the game's laid out is there are separate boards where you're going to be. You're basically collecting these these cubes or these stones from a quarry. You're putting them on your little sled and carrying them across the desert, and then you're snow using, dogs. and then you're loading the. It's totally like snow dogs, snow snow tails, sand um, dogs. Yeah, sand. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's what it's called at all. Uh, well, why don't they have sand dogs? I mean, if you can have snow dogs, you should have sand dogs. There, there should be a sand husky. Yeah, know? that pulls sleds right. in the desert. Yes, this is this is an awesome theme for a game. Why not? You're out there designing. I don't know. So uh, what you do is once you get once you've gathered these stones, you're then going to load them on ships, and the ships have a specific amount of spaces uh, that you fill up. And then once a ship is full, uh, you can sail. No, it does not sink. <laughs> you sail it along the Nile, and then it pulls into the port next to one of these monuments. And then you offload the stones in the order that you loaded them. Uh, so you might be make building up an obelisk. So you're getting points for whoever. Puts the most, you know, the, the highest stack of stones. Mm. You might be building the pyramid where you're getting points for every time you place a stone, depending on how high you go, etc. Um, you're building a, a um, uh, you're not building the sphinx. You're building like a like a mausoleum uh, where you're trying to connect stones. You're also building another monument that I'm, it's bl I'm blanking on. This reminds me a lot of Agizia. The theme, yes. Um, Gameplay, the, no. The difference here is that each of those boards is, uh, it's a separate board that you're building these things on and they're all double-sided. So you have an A and a B side and depending on what side you play with, uh, the mechanisms for how you score points are completely different. So, like a cassette tape. Like a cassette tape. <laughs> that's, just like an A and B side. Just like an A and B side. Everybody knows what that is. Everybody about. should know that. It's, um, I'm trying to make a relevant <laughs> it's um, not, it's not at all. It's comparison. Not it's definitely not helping. For current events. Uh, <laughs> for all you kids out there. Yeah. Uh, so, kids love cassettes. Yeah. Kids, kids love that stuff. But, um, yeah, so M <laughs> no, I'm getting sidetracked. So I'm just trying to make him laugh. So Imhotep has like six different boards, um, including the scoreboard. It's one of the first ones I thought of because it's so modular like that, and everybody is sharing the, each of those boards as they're building things. So uh, that's why it made my number three. My number three pick is a relatively new game. I believe it came out last year, and we have mentioned it a couple times on our podcast. Hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure you've played this. Tidal Blades, yes. Heroes of the Reef. Yes. I love this game. <clears throat> it's a, a fantastic worker placement game uh, with a lot of cool ways to uh, upgrade your skills and upgrade your abilities and earn new uh, character abilities and stuff like that. 
this is a game that has quite a bit of separate boards as part of its yeah, setup. Like five, maybe six. Well, there's the champion board at the top, and then there's like the center board for you drawing got, cards. And you have islands around the board. And then three <clears throat> islands, and then the uh, the monster, the monster island. board. Yeah. So there's six right there, and yeah. if you have the Angler's Cove expansion, there's seven. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It fits the bill. I think that Definitely qualifies as having multiple game boards. Yep, I'll give it to you. And it's a really, really good game. Uh, mm. Artwork's fantastic. The theme is really mm. good, really solid. You're these heroes trying to defend this town, um, and they call you the Tidal Blades. And then a rift opens up, and monsters are coming to attack. So you have to like uh, both impress judges during their annual like competitions, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time like dedicate some time to fight off monsters so that, you know, you kind of also show that you're a, a diligent and, uh, mm. you know, successful fighter. Uh, it's really cool. It's a lot of fun. A um, lot of multiple board uses and players do have their own board. Uh, it's a unique type of board because these have these uh, wheels, mm -hmm. uh, like little dials really is what they are that uh, you track four different skill traits. Um, and they also track the dice that you're using versus like active or spent. And on the bottom, you tuck in cards of challenges that you've completed. So mm. it's a really useful um, board. It's very multifunctional. Uh, it uses miniatures uh, if you have the Kickstarter version mm. uh, or standees if it's retail, plus uh, discs for your actions. So if you have discs, you place those with your character and then the character jumps between you know actions, mm. but your discs stay there, which then fully occupy that space. So only right. one action space can be taken. Um, you know, the, each individual action space can be taken only once in a round. But, and it's uh, got amazing dice. It's got tons of yes, amazing dice. A lot, lot of dice. And and this is one of those <laughs> dice customization games, kind of like Dice Forge, mm. but you're upgrading it into one or two different directions. Um, specializing in, you know, different traits that you're trying yeah. to roll. Yeah, as you're describing it, I remember, like, there, there is a lot going on in this game, but it's mm -hmm. not, it's not overwhelming. Like, it's, not, I wouldn't say this is a complex game. Um, it's, there are uh, a lot of rules, and yeah. I will be working on a tutorial for mm. it that includes as much as I can fit into it, so it's going to be a pretty long video. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I like it too, so much, so I just wanted to... Yeah, it's a cool game. You know, I want to make it's, sure people can play it. Yeah, this is the one that reminded me a lot of like Champions of Midgard, so mm -hmm. I, I really liked it as well. So there you go, my number three. Good pick. Number two. Number two. We're really climbing up there now. Mm. Right. Yeah, uh, so this is a sci-fi space-themed game that I really enjoy. Uh, it has uh, dice drafting in it, and it's also a game where you can kind of borrow other people's dice if you pay them. Um, so this is called Black Angel, and it's such a fun game. Hmm. You've got your own board of things that you're able to like customize, and, and you place cards to take actions, and there's ways to combo those things. There's robots that you have to send to the center, and then you can uh, start to send them out to customize how many uh, of each color dice that you want to get when it when it comes to you know drawing back up to your dice uh, hand limit basically. Uh, but you can also borrow other people's dice if you have the resources. So uh, there's a lot of flexibility. Hmm. When uh, we we're talking about multiple boards, there's of course the the board itself that is the ship, and that's where you find the robots and the different action spaces that you can do uh, various things by assigning dice. 
Uh, and then next to or kind of in front of the ship, if like you're looking at it, the ship's pointing one direction, mm -hmm. you have space and it mm -hmm. kind of looks like you're flying through hyperspace because that's kind of what you're doing. And on these strips of boards that sort of uh, kind of all uh, go in a line and then uh, they have planets on them, they have asteroids and meters, meteors mm -hmm. on them. And at the, always at the very center of these five stripped uh, space boards is the miniature for your spaceship. So it's like it's representation of where you are in space. Mm -hmm. And then as the ship advances forward, which happens when someone draws their dice, you remove the uh, the closest strip and move it to the back and slide everything back so you are making progress huh. and you flip huh. those tiles so it's always different every time you you move forward interesting and in, in so it's sort of simulating you traveling past the yeah. different things so you're slowly That's traveling right. past all these planets hmm. um, but that board is not just for showing where you are like there's a whole segment of the game where you're sending robots in little ships out from the black angel uh, to colonize planets which is to do missions so you have certain mission cards that you're trying to place out on the uh, the planets. And those will, of course, give you points uh, for placing them. And then some of them give you points uh, once they are removed from space, meaning they've actually had to be removed from that tile when, mm. it, when it advances. Hmm. So there's a lot of cool elements to this game. And uh, of course, mm. you've got the, the main space, uh, space shipboard and then space. So that's that's the multiple board mm. aspect, and it's just such a, a great, great game. Yeah, I've heard really good things about this one. Surprised you haven't played it yet. No, no, you have to teach it to me. Uh, I have a video for you. I was going to just ask you that. <laughs> so if you're looking to play with me, I'll uh, let you watch yeah. the video, and then we'll, we'll meet back up. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So Black Angel, mm -hmm. number two. My number two is another game. Is it? By Bruno Cathala on my list. Uh, who also was the designer of Shadows Over Camelot. That's right. And this is a game where you are making one board, but out of a bunch of multiple boards that combine into one, and the game is called Five Tribes. Mm. Now, you would a lot of people will call these tiles that you're using to make up the board, but each of these tiles that you're putting down to, to make this big grid has separate actions that um, are different than all the other ones. So you might place one of your workers on a specific board and it triggers a certain action that lets you uh, get gain a card. Another one may trigger an action that lets you get gold for all the different colored meeples like around yours. Another one might let you uh, trigger an action where you can actually assassinate somebody else's uh, meeple on a nearby board. Um, and it also has a really cool like... Um, I was going to say mandala. That's not the word. Um, Rondel? No, the mechanic. Mancala? That's it. <clears throat> it also has a, man, a mancala. Mancala. Mancala mechanic where when you uh, move around on the board, the way you do that is you actually pick up all the meeples that are on a specific one of these uh, mini boards. And then as you travel, you drop one on each of the different boards that you travel on until you drop your last one. And then based on where you drop that, that's the board you trigger things on. Sounds um, like Moncala. It's it's very Moncala-like. Uh, but this is a it's an award-winning game. Um, it's such a cool game because every game of this is going to play completely differently because yeah. of the, you randomize these you know tiles or these mini boards. Um, boards. There's, there's even area control on on the boards itself, so you can set up like little oasises or put your camels out on the boards to take control certain points. So there's a lot going on in this game. 
Um, it can be a, a game that causes a lot of analysis paralysis hmm. because on your turn, you can basically go anywhere you want. And so you're trying to sort of optimize what the best thing to do is, you know, based on all the meeples that are out there. So um, that's, the, thinker. that's the one uh, element of the game that, you know, where this one gets complaints, but I love this game. How long does a, a single game last? It's like 90 minutes. It's not too bad. 90 minutes to two hours. And it plays up to what, four or five? I think it's four. It's, it's funny because it's called Five Tribes, which because there's five different tribes of meeples, but it only plays four. Okay. Yeah, unless there's a, there may be an expansion that lets you play more. But, Very cool. Um, I have so, heard of this game. It, you've played this game, I'm sure. I've heard, I've heard of it. You've heard of it. That's good. <laughs> I know so, you're not making it up. Yeah, I'm not making it up. So that's that's what made my number two because it's just, I mean, it's, it's basically the game that has more mini boards than any other game I could think of. Can you imagine if on this list, like I, one of us just made up a game? Just totally, totally. And like, it's like, <laughs> wow. And then it was like, how did you come up with that? So my favorite is Caravans of the Desert. And right. what this one is. Yeah, it's called totally. Sand Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sand dogs. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 husky sledding. I feel like one of these times the, he's going to try to pull one over on me because he's no. always he's always oh. coming up with games. I don't know. Well, five tribes. You've definitely heard this one. I said I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, you've said it. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number two, five tribes. Sweet. Honorable mentions. There are a lot of honorable mentions for me, but I've narrowed it down to just a couple. Uh, two of them, actually three of them, are honorable mentions because they um, they don't have multiple boards unless you have an expansion. Yeah, yeah. So Anachrony, which I love yes. that game, but yep. it has a lot of boards to it if you have some expansions yep. added. Yep. Um, Everdell, once mm -hmm. again, there's like every expansion adds a board. So the more expansions, yeah. the more boards, more table space taken. Yeah. Um, Underwater Cities has an amazing expansion. Uh, new discoveries uh, yeah, I've and uh, it has it's a museum board and, mm. and it adds some other things as well but um, definitely a great game but you need the expansion in order for it to qualify for this list okay um altiplano which is um ah. similar to orleans yeah, yeah that's right uh so either one of those is kind of on this list but i felt like it wasn't as strong a contender yeah um, and then lastly, I would mention Taverns of Tiefenthal. I thought of this one too. I yeah. thought of this one too. I, I didn't like it as much as the other ones, but it is a good game, but is it good enough for the top 10? And do it, the other thing that kicked it off for me is what is the other point of the other like yeah, board? They're kind of like modules that you make a single board with. Yeah. Sort of. Um, like you could have made this a bigger board on both sides yeah. and then just like made it a single. Yeah thing that folds out yeah i agree um but i probably just to fit in a box or whatever they wanted like mm. you, you know so i i just was that i was thinking that that second additional board was less important than some of the others yeah yeah um i actually matched a couple years there like everdell same thing mm -hmm. because the the expansions make side side boards but they're just really you know more locations a little bit um champions of midgard mm -hmm. kind of the same thing the reason Waterdeep won over it because, was because of the tiles, whereas Champions just adds an individual board with different locations. I think I still think Lords of Waterdeep <laughs> no, it was a perfect is choice. disqualified. It was, it was uh, Scythe. Uh, the reason I didn't choose Scythe is um, because if you play like similar to um, Star Wars Rebellion, mm -hmm. you can play the big board inside, and it actually comes with two boards that you combine together. Now that's also an expansion. Uh, I mean, technically. No, no, no. So, so the other one with Scythe has modular 
tiles that you put in, that's the one you're thinking of. No. The the, the giant board is yeah. just a you larger need, board. No, but you need to buy the extra strip that, that makes do, yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yes, that's right. You have to buy you have to buy the extra yeah. uh, board to right. add to it. It's like 10 bucks or something. Exactly. So um, I, it's an expansion. Is it an expansion? You have to buy it in addition to the base game. So would you consider a game that an expansion? Um, well, here's the other thing. thing. Uh, games like... Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I don't think it's an expansion. Games like Terraforming Mars, one of their expansions is just boards. True. Like Ticket to Ride is is the same, but it's like a different board. Whereas with Scythe, it's the exact same board, just larger. Like, I can see why it didn't yeah, make the list. Yeah, but it didn't make the list. And, and it also has individual players' boards that are always different every time. Because they're randomly shuffled, but, they, but that's they were boards. player boards. So we're, we're not we're not talking about exactly. Player that's today. that's why I didn't make it either. And then Red Cathedral was the other one I thought of. Um, it has uh, it basically just still though has one main board because the other th thing that you're building is really like based. It's like a cathedral based on cards that you are doing things on, but you're not really you're not really um, doing a whole lot on that sideboard. So it kind of, mm. it was one that it, it sort of looks like it's multiple boards, but in reality, it's not really. You so. know, I think we could come up with another top uh -huh. 10 of games that use modular boards or modular yeah, I maps. Think so. I think so. You know, it's got its own yeah. category. Yeah, even even one that has like, play, yeah, I think you suggested one. Like yeah, we could even do boards. a top 10 of player boards. Yeah, yeah, I think now that I was thinking through this list, uh, there's so many, I thought, oh yeah, these are great player boards. Right. So, um, so that those those were the ones um, on my list for honorable mentions. Very good. Well, uh, I think we're moving on to the final number yes. one pick that everyone's waiting to hear. So here we go. Number one. My number one uh, is actually a crossover on your list that oh, you mentioned earlier. Really? And this was the very first game I thought of when you uh, suggested the topic. Let me think. Let me think. Uh -huh. Is this going to be Star Wars? Nope. Dang. Nope. Dinosaur Island. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Dinosaur Island, for the same reasons you said, um, I actually had to take a picture of this because I, I knew there were so many boards in the game, but I couldn't remember quite what all the boards were. Um, but not only do you have two completely separate player boards, because you have one that's just managing like your DNA yeah. and all that stuff and keeping track of like your stats and your danger and, and everything else. You have another separate board. And again, these are player boards. Those that, are just your park. Just your player boards that, that represent your park. And then you have a, a common board where you're actually putting scientists to draft the DNA dice or to choose a dinosaur that you're building based on the DNA combination. You have another sideboard where you're you're buying like um, different amusements that you're then placing in your park. Like extra tiles that extra, can fit on the board. Yeah, extra tiles that fit on the board. Then there's the specialist money. board. There's a specialist board if you have the expansion you can as well. Hire people. Yeah, you're getting you're drafting you're getting different cards, um, and then you have um, I think that may be it that may be it. But um, it just it's a lot and and it takes up the entire table. Um, this is a game that's super thematic. It's actually it is a heavy game, but it has like a rhythm to it. Mm -hmm. So once you go through it once, every you kind of just follow that rhythm and everybody sort of gets it after that. Um, but this really simulates like if you're one of the researchers in Jurassic Park, um, it really like dives deep into that theme of creating dinosaurs and then running the park and, you know, having dinosaurs overrun the park. And, uh, you know, certain certain other people that visit end up not making it out of the park. People can die. Um, you know, things like that. But it's, um, yeah, cool retro theme. It's got this awesome like 80s style, you know, collar scheme and artwork and um, 
also these awesome like uh, plastic dinos that are have different shapes and stuff like that. But they're all pink. But and they're all pink, yeah. But they're 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 well, still awesome. The style of the game is meant to look very like nineties yeah. bright Super, pop. Yeah, nineties is yeah not eighties nineties. It's it's yeah. definitely that. Definitely nineties. So, so um yeah so this was the first one that popped into my head when you suggested it and that's why it made my number one. Very cool. I agree with that. Um, my number one has not been mentioned. Okay, so it's not Five Tribes. It's not Five Tribes, <laughs> but I have heard of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is uh, one of the heaviest games that you can play, and it's favorited by solo gamers. Um, but you can also play two-player or up to four, but don't do that. It's called Mage Knight. Oh, I've heard of this Mage game. Knight yeah. is such an <clears throat> awesome, awesome game. Uh, where you are knights, but you have mage abilities as well, hence mage knights. Uh, as far as the boards, there's a reputation board uh, and then a uh, sort of a level tracker on how, you know, when you get to upgrade and earn new stuff, whether it's a shield upgrade or action upgrade as far as like how many elite soldiers you can have in your army. And then uh, you can um, draft new uh, advanced or spell type cards to your deck. Um, so there's a little bit of deck building. There's also a board that uh, that is just for your dice, or not your dice, but everyone's element dice. And I believe there's two element dice extra per player. So if there's two players, then six dice, three. Um, and those dice are rolled and kept um, on either the day side or the night side, uh, depending on the element that's rolled. And so that's another separate board. And then on top of that, uh, you've got the map itself where you have your miniature and exploring the uh, the different mm. tiles that can come out. And you basically draw a new tile as you can, you know, get to an edge to explore it. Um, it's like two movement. You get to add another tile and then kind of deal with what you're moving on to. Mm. So uh, it's a really excellent, really thematic and just deep, you know, type of dungeon crawl type of experience but you're not really in dungeons um, but there are all sorts of fantasy um, creatures and, and enemies that you'll fight including orcs um, dragons mages that mm -hmm. kind of stuff um, it is heavy and it is probably best played solo but i really enjoy playing it two player uh, whenever i can uh, if I can find someone who already knows how to play, that's even better. Because yeah, yeah. teaching this can heard, be a beast. Yeah. But uh, for that reason, I also made a tutorial for Mage Knight that you can find on the channel. And in when I was looking up what existing tutorials on YouTube there were, the mm. best I found were a series of videos, mm. um, kind of like a playlist of everything that you would kind of need to know one topic at a time. And so I was like, well, I guess someone's either going to see that and just never play Mage Knight because they don't want to watch mm. 10, 30 mm. minute videos, mm. you know? Mm. So I was like, this needs a complete one video teach. So I did my very best to mm. teach whatever you need to know for your first two games of Mage Knight. And the video is an hour and 15 minutes. I was minutes. just going to ask. I, I said I would just over an hour. Hour and 15 and minutes. And I think this is actually one of your most popular videos, if I'm not mistaken. It is. I think it's in the 800, 900. Yeah. Might, might be more than that now. I haven't checked yeah. in a while. But. I've, I've, I've heard great things about the game, but that's the thing that's um, kept me from playing it is I just heard it's really tough to get through the teach. It's intimidating um, at first. Yeah. And and, and if, if I owned the game, I, you know, then I would think about leaving it set up and playing it solo or something like that. 
But um, I don't know if this is one I'll ever actually play. Mm, um, that's although, a bummer. And, and, but I do remember this is by the... It's crazy because this is the same designer that did like code names. Yes, it is. You know, so, Yeah, so uh, he does just such a gambit of game styles. It's He's a yeah. pretty impressive guy. And uh, this is also... A lot of people consider <laughs> it the predecessor to Gloomhaven. Like without... Mage Knight, we wouldn't have Gloomhaven. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanisms that Mage Knight introduced to tabletop that Hmm. I think um, a lot of games like Gloomhaven started, you know, borrowing. Hmm. That's Um, interesting. Yeah, I never heard that before. Yeah, but if uh, but I do think you know if you're looking for that experience, Gloomhaven is a much more streamlined experience. Yeah, yeah. um, and it's definitely easier to understand the rules and play through than than it is. Yeah. yeah, and especially if you go with like the yeah, Jaws of the Lion game, mm-hmm. and then you have the tutorial that you just get you up to speed pretty yeah. quick. So, but uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, my tutorial will help people if they're interested because that's why I do it. You know, I want yeah. people to try these games out if they can, and you know, take a listen. And if you think you can tackle it, then go pick up a copy. Why not? Yeah, especially in you know COVID days, you know, a lot of people playing solo. So yeah, totally. this is definitely one totally. that uh, to check out. I think. So that was a really uh, fun list. Yeah, it was a fun list. Uh, it was it was it was definitely harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, so as, as you can see from a few of my choices, <laughs> I had a little had a few stretches there. Yeah. But um, but it was fun because I you know a lot of games ca- came kind of to the surface that might not make some of my other lists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I liked it. I like this topic a lot. It was good. Cool. Well, that's the end of our episode, I think, for today. So. Uh, you know, thanks again for listening, and we appreciate all of you, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening via our streaming. Uh, yeah, all the, all the streaming podcasty things. Um, and definitely, if you have any suggestions for, you know, top 10 lists or topical conversations, we did a recent video like that as well. Um, definitely leave uh, comments below, and uh, we love to respond to you and uh, get your feedback. Yeah, if there is like a, a hot board game topic that you want us to discuss, uh, we, we had a really good time discussing uh, in the last uh, podcast topic of, uh, you know, should board game reviewers be paid mm-hmm. and what motivates you or people to buy board games. Yeah. And those those were fun, really cool conversations to yeah. have um, on top of these, these you know, top tens that we do. So yeah. if you have some uh, suggestions of things that you'd like for us to talk about and hear our thoughts on, let us know. I mean, it was fun. So we'll, yeah, we'll revisit those kinds of things and, um, you know, yeah, and, and uh, I think we've got some good ideas for some future topics too. So, And also check out some of the recent videos. We've got some game designer videos, um, a few different previews of games that uh, have been in Kickstarter. So uh, a lot of stuff to catch up on if you're just joining us. Yeah. Uh, so for the Mentor Minutes podcast and the Meeple Mentor YouTube channel, I've been Jared. And I've been Jay. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>